1: Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and today we're joined by Heidi Peterson-Dudson. She is the Prevention Administrator and Regional Director for the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. And it's such a well-timed opportunity to talk to you, Heidi, as there's all this graduation going on, big, you know, mile markers for high schoolers and college kids. So let's talk a bit about some of your concerns with the end of the school year and moving forward in a healthy way with their kids.
0: You bet. Well, first of all, thank you, Rebecca, for giving some time to this really crucial conversation that parents can have with their kids. What we're all about when we talk about graduation, in particular, when it comes to alcohol, is keeping kids safe. But in addition, and maybe something that parents don't always think about when keeping kids safe around graduation is really protecting their brains.
1: And let's talk more about that. I was just having a conversation with my son uh, about a, a TV interview I did a number of years ago where they were looking at MRIs and what was happening to those neuropathways within the brain. And And we talked about how I couldn't remember all the details, but that it was so important to preserve the way the brain is supposed to be operating. So talk to us a little bit about what the concern is with underage drinking and the brain.
0: Yeah, you bet. Well, one of the things that research has really very clearly showed us is that while a brain is under development, that it's really kind of fragile, and when we introduce substances such as alcohol, it can really have a lasting and substantial impact on areas of the brain used for making decisions, um, you know, memory, some of those crucial functions. And if you think about it, you know, um, Rebecca, I, I don't know about you, but when you bring your kids home from the hospital, I think we share this as parents that that we envision great things for their futures. You know, we think about what we want them to be and and do and as they grow and develop they develop their own dreams and hopes for their futures and you know the brain really is the central hub for all of that happening And so if we want our kids to grow and to reach their full potential it really is important that we protect that developing brain as much as we
1: can. What an image that is, Heidi, of of thinking about how we tenderly cradle a newborn and protect, you know, talked about the brain. One of the things we're so careful about is that little neck and the little head, right? As that little infant is learning to kind of get the muscle strength to hold his or her head up. And we're so cautious and, and gentle, ideally, with that baby. And so it's almost... Uh, Applying that same idea that even though our teenager may appear to be man or woman fully developed, there's still tenderness. Required for that brain development. You said different parts of the brain are actually affected by drinking that that affect uh, choices. Are you talking about like the frontal lobe, the things that affect yeah, the day to day decisions? We know
0: that uh, it takes until about the age of twenty six until that prefrontal cortex is completely grown. Um, so it's it's really important that we help protect those vital functions while they're while they're under development.
1: And so if I just one more point of clarification. So we've learned through research that uh, if an underage uh, young, or young adult uh, uses substances, it can affect the way that brain functions, not just that moment, but in the future.
0: That's right. Yeah, there could be a lasting impact there for the way that they process information for um, memory, uh, especially long term memory. Um, And and, you know, that part in the brain that, um, you know, kind of gears us towards impulsivity. Um, Some studies have actually found that if if kids stay away from alcohol, that, you know, that part of the brain that helps them. Um, concretely think through some of those decisions and be less impulsive um, is better effective. So you can see how that would affect a lot of things in life and really important. I I love, um, you you know, that idea of being gentle. And a lot of times, you know, we just go off of what we can see. And that's often why we put helmets on our kids when they're riding bikes, right? We want to Mm -hmm. avoid seeing those goose eggs or concussions that we might see if they fall. But a lot is going on inside of that brain that we need to be just as cautious about.
1: For those who have just joined us, this is Heidi Peterson-Dutson. She knows what she's talking about. as She is the Regional Director and the Prevention Administrator for the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. Now, as an adult, as uh, an older adult, I shall say, as a parent uh, and just as a community member, when we talk about how substances like alcohol can affect the brain development of our teens and, and young adults and ourselves, right, Um, that is so interesting to me. But how do we talk about alcohol and its danger uh, to kids, will they be just as interested by that message of, hey, this could affect your memory, this could affect, or what advice do you have to help us, help them remain alcohol free?
0: Yeah, this is super important. I'm so glad you phrased it that way. I think something that's important to remember is, is alcohol is part of many crucial conversations that we need to have with our kids. But having those crucial conversations really starts with having a good relationship with our kids. Um, So early on, as we're talking to our kids, um, it's important that we're setting good uh, bound. Excuse me, good that we have good, strong, warm relationships and strong bonds with our kids. Um, So it's important that we get into their their world. Now, we have three things that we like to go by with Parents Empowered when it comes specifically to alcohol. The first of those is that we need to set very clear rules um, and have boundaries with our kids about alcohol. And something additional that's really fascinating about the research is that we know very clearly that parents are the number one reason that kids choose to say alcohol free. Now, as parents, I, I know that often when, especially during those teenage years, we tend to think, oh, my kids are influenced by their friends far more than anybody else. But when we ask kids that what they tell us overwhelmingly is that when their parents have strong rules with no underage drinking, um, that they that they go along with those rules. And that becomes the number one reason Um, to back up those rules. We find that kids trust and are more likely to follow those rules when they have good, strong relationships. Um, So, again, this doesn't need to be a very serious conversation where we sit down and we feel like this is a one and done, but part of a natural conversation, you know, that we can bring it up organically as we drive our kids to school, um, you know, late at night when they're telling us about their day or when they're talking about different social events that they have, that we can bring up this conversation around alcohol um, because it is so important. It needs to be
1: repeated often. And there's a difference between talking to your kids about drinking and talking to your kids about remaining alcohol-free, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think what you're saying there plays very well into that very clear standard, you know, that we want to help them understand the reasons why, just like we were talking about brain development, you know, if, if to let them know that, you know, because we care about you and we want you to reach that dream of going to college or Um, you know, becoming a professional athlete or whatever that dream is to help them understand the important function of that brain and that because we care about them, that that is the reason that those firm rules are in place um, so that we can help protect and help them navigate their, their journey to a safe and healthy future. All
1: right. So we talk about, you know, the tradition, the cultural tradition that exists as graduation arrives. It is so for so many communities and peer groups is we're going to get drunk. Or we're going to drink on you know prom night. We're going to drink at graduation. We're going to drink in the summertime when things are free. So to me, I keep seeing these benchmarks, right? Where it's natural to go. You know that they're going to have friends talking about getting together to go to parties. You know that that no matter how good or protected you feel like your child is, the truth is the ocean they're swimming in, right? Has those kind of currents all around them. So you have to, in my mind, how you expressed it, is step into the river with them and 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 walk and talk about what their peers are doing what they're involved in and and have those conversations you said crucial conversations Heidi you mentioned there's three things and I might have missed it so was the first one to have work on making having that bond creating a closer relationship with your child so it's easier to have conversations and then was the second step setting clear boundaries or can you help me with that Yes, yes. And thank
0: you for the chance to review because I don't think I got to number three and it's very important too. So the first one is that that bonding. We want to remember that. That's an that's a everyday thing that we can strive to create those moments where we're feeling bonded to our kids, where we're getting inside of their world, asking questions, um, giving them a chance to feel close to us and see us as somebody um, that is trusted to, to be an everyday part of their lives, somebody that they're comfortable talking about um, with difficult things. Um, the second is um, the that, that boundaries, that we want very clear rules against no underage drinking. Um, and again, just to underscore, it's really important that that, that rule is a, a zero tolerance rule and that the kids understand that. The third um, kind of pillar that we go by with Parents Empowered is monitoring. And, and that kind of lends to, you know, following up with our kids. If, if we have set a rule about no underage drinking and they go to a, a party, that we can circle back um, or maybe send them a text um, while they're at the party and just make sure that they're in a safe environment um, with, with no alcohol. Um, and, it, you know, you brought up, Rebecca, the, the idea that very often there can be perceptions out there, especially around graduation, that, oh, I've graduated now, I'm an adult, and even though I, it's, I know it's not legal till 21, this is kind of a rite of passage, and there's going to be drinking, and I'm, and I'm going to experiment with that it's really again important that we help parents understand so they can help their kids understand that that brain is still growing and that it's part of our responsibility as parents to provide social environments where there is no alcohol. So we encourage parents to maybe um, take the bull by the horns there and go ahead and encourage your child and help your child plan their own graduation party um, you know, oftentimes, even though that can be a lot of work to host and to bring kids into your own environment or an environment that you plan, that often can save a lot of stress and worry about wondering where your child is, if there's alcohol, um, especially if they don't come home um, late at night. Um, so we encourage parents to, to be an active participant in those social activities so that they can monitor and make sure that their kids are staying healthy.
1: I'm going to ask you, uh, and Heidi, thank you for all of that. I'm going to ask you a specific question, and it's kind of loaded, right? But is is, is there a time or a place where parents um, who are thinking that, you know what, they're going to drink, I'm going to let them drink at my house? I mean, is there, a, a, a um, in your opinion, as an expert in substance abuse and mental health, is there ever um, a safe way for parents to expose their children to alcohol? Or, or what have we learned um, through studying um, life and, and society?
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up that way, you know, because we do see that that's a very common line of thinking. It might look like, you know, it's graduation time. This is kind of a rite of passage. And maybe even as parents, we think like, hey, I did this when I was younger. My parents did this when they were younger. It's just what kids do. And so to keep them off the roads, I'm going to host a social event and I'm going to allow alcohol there, but at least they're not out on the road. Well, what the research shows us is, again, there there really is no safe way for somebody to drink underage, um, that that brain is still under development, and while we might be keeping them off the roads, there's really no way to protect the brain once that they have consumed alcohol underage. So, so really, a zero tolerance is the very best way to keep that. Um, optimal protection for the growing brain. I
1: love some of the advice, thank you, Heidi, that you shared, too, about, you know, if you know they're going into a social situation that they might have been honest about, but saying, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm abstaining, et cetera, to, to help them, you know, by sending texts, right?, and offering Mm -hmm. to pick them up and drop them off at the location. (laughs) Uh, Some of those things, I know for my teen, one of my youngest, um, he had a code word we'd use. And if he repeated a word twice, like please, please, or um, I wanna stay here, here. If he said it twice, that was his cue to me that he needed help uh, untangling him from a complicated peer situation. So peers might be around him. And and so then I could kind of be the heavy to say, that's it. You absolutely got to come home. And then he could say to his friends, sorry. And, and some of that happened, you know, maybe before even 18, but 17, 18, where it's even when you're close friends, if, if their peers start to um, get involved in that, it's, it's a difficult thing for these teens to untangle them. So I thought it was very helpful to give a lifeline to make it easier for them to get out.
0: I love that. I I love that so much. I haven't heard that one with the with the double words. I think that that is super brilliant. You know, and part of what we know is that kids really do crave to have boundaries and monitoring because it helps them feel safe and know that they're taken care of. Sometimes, you know, they might balk against some of the rules that we set for them, but but the research bears out that when kids have these healthy rules, when they know their parents are checking up on them, that it really does help them know that they're cared for and, and that their parents, you know, are invested and are there for them. Um, one other tip that that I'll add as far as that monitoring piece is that it can be a really good practice as parents to get into this habit of asking our kids some questions before or they go to hang with their friends or go to a party. We term this the five W's, um, and those questions are, who will, who will you be with? Where are you going? What will you be doing? When will you be home? And last but certainly not least is, will alcohol be there? Um, And all of these questions are on our website at parentsempowered.org. But if we can get in the habit of just asking our kids these questions, um, You know, there might even be some rolling of the eyes of like, here we go again. But <laughs> over time, that can kind of be this endearing, like, you know what? My parents really cared. Every time I go somewhere, like they know these things and and they're invested and in, they get in the habit of being prepared with those answers. And then when they're put in those awkward situations, they are much more prepared to take those steps. Like you said, to send that text to mom, to send the please, please, or the here, here that lets them know, you know what? Um, I, I fully support you being my parent right now um, and intervening in a way that gets me out of this situation. Um, so again, the five W's can be a really great tool for parents to and use often, as well.
1: And Heidi, I think often the eye roll is a cue that you're doing something right. yeah i think you're right i think you're right i'm glad we know that you were kids once too right rebecca yes yeah and i you know i still roll my eyes occasionally i'm glad i'm surprised they're not stuck in the same position but i you know we have about seven minutes left uh heidi you have so much information that can help parents and i know that there is a study that was out by the national institute on alcohol abuse and alcoholism and it talked about Conversations with middle schoolers, and that if mm-hmm. you had those conversations, those could help predict whether or not that child would go on to abuse alcohol later. Could you just address yeah. some of that? So let's talk about those middle schoolers, and, and I'm just going to lump maybe 11, 12, hopefully in that 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13.
0: Yeah, this might even be surprising, Rebecca, but I'm going to throw out the age of nine. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, as parents, we have so many things to do and to think about. And, you know, when we're juggling work and, and you know, a lot of times we have more than one child and we have, you know, so many things to think about in our day. And often we can just be a little bit reactive to the stage that they're in, right? So, oh, wow, all of a sudden my child's 16 and they're driving and they're going to these parties and will there be alcohol there? But we're really wanting um, to do a call-out to parents there. Um, That study that you referred to from the National Institute of um, Pediatricians actually indicated that we should have this conversation with our kids as early as age nine. And what I can tell you, even from our data right here in Utah, that we know underage drinking can start in Utah as early as sixth grade. We do have data on that. Um, We also know that around age nine, most kids still have a negative perception of alcohol use that's They kind of see that as as something that they should steer clear of. But between those ages of 9 and 13, as those kids are growing into those adolescent and middle school years, those attitudes can become increasingly favorable um, towards alcohol. So as parents, the earlier we start and make our strong disapproval very clear by setting rules um, again, we're increasing our chances that they're going to adhere to those rules and that their brains will remain alcohol free.
1: Mm. Um, that's fascinating, isn't it? And it's, it's um, <laughs> disheartening too to think of these nine and 10 year olds, but it is a reality. Right. And it's mm-hmm. something the more we kind of uh, open our eyes to it, the more we can protect our children, um, you know, our little mini adults that are within our circle of interest. And and mm-hmm. a, some, a couple of the questions I thought that was really specific, um, because I think being specific helps get the answer out of kids. But one of those questions that was in that study was asking middle schoolers, do you have any friends who have had any drink containing alcohol in the past year? So do you have any friends? Because I remember when we were talking about mental health, me um, being cued by Parents Empowered to ask questions. Do you have any friends who have talked about Uh, suicide in their life you know asking specific questions so by saying do you have any friends who have had any drink containing alcohol in the past year then if you ask your middle schooler that it actually kind of drills in and and then opens the door for them to be able to say yes right and then you can get a bigger picture what's going on yeah
0: and, and i i love that question because you know, just the way you framed that. And we can all picture ourselves being that adolescent. And, and you know, let's be honest, man, in this world that we're navigating post-pandemic and all of the added pressures, like this is even more important. But for a parent to, to kind of have that courage to just dive in there, to take the time and say, you know, tell me that about your friends, you're actually creating a stronger bond there with your child And you're also opening an additional opportunity. So let's say that that child says, well, yeah, actually, I was at my friend Joe's house and there was alcohol in the fridge and he asked me if I wanted some. Well, you know, then you have an opportunity to not only find out what happened next, but to help troubleshoot with your child. Okay, if that happens again, how are we going to handle that? Um, Let's do some role playing. What do you think is a good way to um, adhere to our rule of no underage drinking and still keep your friend, um, you know, and we can all put ourselves in that situation of how that type of um, scenario could be really anxiety producing. So when we take that opportunity to role play and walk through some of those situations with our children, um, again, we're empowering them with skills that that will help them handle those situations with some finesse and and ease that they otherwise might not have had, and and you know they might make a decision that they didn't want to because of that pressure.
1: I, I wanted to ask you one more follow up. Where are these kids getting their alcohol from? Where where have we found um, so that we can be on alert uh, uh, for that? But where are the kids most often getting alcohol from? Because they're too young to buy it, right, from the state liquor store?
0: Yeah. Yep, exactly. We know that they're not legal to buy it. And interestingly, we asked Utah parents if their child were to get access to alcohol, where would it be? Um, 32% of Utah parents said it would probably be a, be at a party. But interestingly, when we asked Utah kids who drink where they got their alcohol, 57% said it was at a party. So um, at, a lot of kids are accessing a party. Um, also, another interesting fact, only 12% of parents predicted that kids would get their alcohol from home. But the reality of that is that 59% of the kids who drink get their alcohol at home or someone else's home without any parental permission. And we also know that kids who do get their alcohol at home are more likely to binge drink, um, so that adds an additional layer of concern because in some situations that that can really turn to a bad situation and and even be fatal. Um, but probably the most alarming thing is that 44% of Utah kids who drink get their alcohol at home with their parents' permission. So again, that goes back to you know really sending a shout out there to parents and and helping them to understand. Um, that that while they might not be able to see a goosebump from a fall um that they're really are dangers there to the developing brain. And we ask that that parents really set a clear rule for no underage drinking.
1: I appreciate your time, Heidi, and and giving us all this advice on how to continue to help. And I I think of not only our role as parents, but grandparents and neighbors to try to help um, protect these kids. So where is the best place uh, for information, um, you know, kind of following up with what you shared with us today?
0: Yeah, you know, I know I've shared a lot of facts. Um, Those can be good to digest and process and share with our kids. You can find all of the information and more that we've talked about today on our website at www.parentsempowered.org.
1: Well, Heidi, thank you so much. And again, having those conversations with your kids can be tricky too. And that information on how to have those conversations is also on parentsempower.org. Heidi Dutson, Heidi Peterson Dutson with the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you, Rebecca. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then
0: all of a sudden they all kind of lined up.